Now, this week's report from Andrew Dembina is a Tuesday drinks one. He interviews Christopher Beros, director, California Wine Institute, Greater China and Southeast Asia, who visited Hong Kong mid-March for the first time in a few years. We hear about some of the trends in wine styles and appreciation from America's sunshine state. Hi, I'm Christopher Barrows. I'm the director of Greater China and Southeast Asia for the California Wine Institute. I've been doing this for, well, since 2015. It's it's kind of a big region. It's uh, mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, Philippines, and Vietnam. So we have a lot of different markets in there. Sounds like in ordinary times, Christopher, you'd be on the road quite a bit there. I was on the road quite a bit. In fact, I lived in Shanghai for a long time and spent a lot of time in this part of the world before COVID. So during the COVID time and these difficult few years, how has Hong Kong fared in its interest for California wines compared to some other places maybe? Well, I think the interest is there, has continued to be there. I think uh, Hong Kong has suffered a lot because of COVID, primarily because they had a lot, a lot of on-premise business. And that's, that's been very difficult. I don't think the interest in California wine has waned at all during that period of time, though. The thing that's very interesting about the countries that have fared well versus those that have not fared so well has a lot to do with the retail channels and how well developed they are. So, for example, in Korea and Japan, and to some degree Taiwan, where they have very well-developed retail channels, they actually did pretty well during COVID. Other countries that had a large on-premise business didn't fare so well. And actually, what about the states? How did uh, the U.S. do and the state of California in that respect? California drank a lot of wine during COVID. Actually, there was a big, big growth in wine. And actually, there's so much online purchasing of wine. In some senses, it became more profitable to some wineries because they didn't have all the overhead associated with wholesale business. Mm. And there was a lot of direct consumer kinds of sales. So the United States actually, in terms of wine, there was a lot of growth during the COVID period. You mentioned earlier that in normal times you would be traveling a lot. Hong Kong is a bit late back to the party, but have you already been getting back visiting the countries around Southeast Asia and Taiwan, if not other parts of Greater China? Yes, I was actually in Taiwan last week. I've been to uh, Singapore and Vietnam. Here I am now this week in, in Hong Kong, and next month I'll go to mainland China. And three years is a long time that we haven't seen you in this part of the world. Obviously, there's been a slower innovation, let's say, because it's uh, the same everywhere with things slowing down. But what can people expect to be something fresh coming out of the region, the greater region? Well, I think, you know, one of the themes that seems to be resonating now with people all over the world is sustainability. And I think that because of climate change and all the obvious uh, expressions of climate change, the sustainability theme has become much more, I think, important. And I think consumers are even making some of their purchase decisions based upon their knowledge about sustainability and how sustainable the winery or the vineyard may be. California actually has been a bit of a leader in this field for some time. Has it made further inroads into that, would you say, in terms of not using pesticide and uh, biodynamic and natural wine production? It has always been a leader, and I think that the organic and, and those things that you just mentioned are part of it, but it's actually much much bigger than that. The, the whole idea behind sustainability is to leave the world in a condition that's as good or better than the one we found in the first place. So it has to do with pesticides and water management and community, and there's so many different elements to it. It's, it's a little bit hard to even describe it all in one short paragraph, but, but it is something that is resonating with people, and I think 
it's becoming more relevant to common people because of climate change. Mm. Talking about climate change, of course, we can't avoid totally the issue of fires in uh, Californian vineyards in certain regions. Um, has, has there been a recovery of, uh, of a lot of those vineyards uh, over the last few years that have um, sadly been uh, victim to that? Well, actually, the vineyards haven't been much of a victim. In fact, the vineyards in many cases acted, uh, acted as a fire break. Uh, I think the bigger issue has been the, the impact of smoke. Uh, potentially on the grapes. But honestly, I think we had a couple of really bad years, but last year was not bad at all. And hopefully this year we've had a lot of rain this winter in California. So hopefully we won't have a repeat of that. But I think everyone is getting more prepared for these extreme weather events, um, whether it's flood, whether it's drought, whether it's fires. So I think people are just, it's becoming almost like an expectation that people have and they're preparing themselves for it. Right. You mentioned that climate change has changed a lot. I guess it's also changed the harvests and maybe even the varieties of grape that can be grown. What sort of impact has it made in, in what comes out of California every year as a result of uh, weather cycles changing? Well, you know, I, you can't say definitively what it is, but the harvest has been earlier the last few years. And I think that one could attribute that to you know to something going on mm. in the in the climate, but in terms of varietals, that will have an impact over time um, if this continues in the way it's going. But I think that California is uniquely positioned because it's a very large area, and there are many different terroirs. There, you know, whether you're right next to the Pacific Ocean where it's very very cold or whether you're in the Central Valley where it can be very, very hot, you know, it's adaptable to the grape variety. So have people been planting newer vineyards at higher elevation? I wouldn't say that that's a trend. I think that there's always been an effort to plant at higher elevations for certain grape varieties and in certain places. So in Napa Valley, for example, you have Atlas Peak and you have Howell Mountain and you have places that do have a relatively high elevation and they're planted there and they produce a wine that has a little more structure and acid and a lot of people like that. Sure. And what has most impressed you in the past, if not in the last three years, um, in terms of pairing Asian food with a certain type or style of Californian wine? So I would say that uh, here in Hong Kong with dim sum, I think pairing it with a, a really fresh fruity Sauvignon Blanc would be mm. a, like a perfect pairing. Also with, say, steamed fish, yeah. uh, a nice Chardonnay would go very well. And if you're thinking more on the spicy end of the spectrum, and say hot pot, mm. for example, I think Zinfandel goes incredibly well with hot pot. That's some good tips there, thank you. And where else do you think that people should go if they want to come and visit some of the wineries as travel begins again, other than the big names such as Napa and Sonoma? What other gems are there waiting? Well, there's some really gorgeous places in California where they grow a lot of wine grapes. I think Monterey is is amazing. I would recommend anybody try to visit there. Paso Robles is a very exciting wine region and it's gorgeous. And further south in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara County, um, there's some beautiful, beautiful spots and really amazing wines coming out of that area. So I would, there's a lot to see other than just Sonoma and Napa, which are also very nice. Yeah. And from which part of your remit, the countries that you are overseeing are receiving the most uh, visitors who are wine-minded? That's a good question. I would say that before um, a few years ago, 
the majority of wine tourism from Asia was coming from mainland China. Um, but, but all the countries, you know, that have an interest have come. And I think, you know, with COVID, it's been difficult, obviously. Now it's, it's opening up again. Um, and so I, I, I presume it'll resume. And on your um, few days that you've been traveling so far, you said you were just in Taiwan before Hong Kong. What wines were going down well with consumer and trade? What, what, were, the, what were the best ones? Maybe ones that they weren't already enjoying a few years ago. I think the trend has been towards um, more, more lighter style wines. Um, so Pinot Noirs have done quite well. Um, some interesting white varieties like Albarinos and Vermentinos, which people don't really associate with California, but there's some wonderful wines made there. And rosés. You know, rosés and sparkling wine are also very popular. I mean, the, the Bordeaux varieties have always done well and, and will be around, I think, forever. But I think there's an ex experimentation that people like to try. And these other varieties are, are, I think, interesting, especially in climates like these that tend to be quite warm. And lastly, Christopher, thanks very much for the insights you've given us so far. If you had to mention one surprise fact for people about Californian wine, what would that be? I don't know how much of a surprise it is, but I keep thinking about the incredible impact that the judgment of Paris had on California wines. And as you may recall, it came about in, in, in 1976. It was really around the 200-year anniversary of the United States. And Stephen Spurrier, who was in Paris at the time, created this judgment of uh, some California wines against some real benchmark French wines. And he had the judges that were the, the top French uh, wine people at the time, and when this was all said and done, um, the California wines won, both in the red category and in the white category. And it just so happened that at that event there was a gentleman named George Tabor who worked for Time Magazine who was in the room, and he was the only reporter there, and he wrote an article. That article was picked up around the world by, by different mm -hmm. news outlets, and quite literally overnight, it put California on the world map as a, as a global leader, at least in terms of quality, for wines. It is a fascinating fact, and, and while you're right, it might not be a surprise to some, I think for a newer generation uh, who have been drinking wine in the last decade or so, it is an amazing fact. And uh, it shows that the new world production methods, they're old vines, some of them too, aren't they? I mean, they go back for, a, for many decades. They do. Yes, they do. And, you know, but if you think about the California wine industry, the fine wine, the modern fine wine industry, you can really kind of start in 1966. Mm -hmm. That's when Robert Mondavi started his winery in the middle of Napa Valley. And, and since then, it has just gotten more and more and more developed. Um, and by that, I mean, People are trying different varieties. People are trying different places to grow wines. And so it's very much of a, of a, of a work in process. But we're blessed with just incredible terroir with valleys and mountains and cool ocean breezes and, and so on. So it's an exciting place to be watching the wine industry. And the other thing that we have, which is a very California thing, hmm. and it was actually one of our branding pillars, which is innovation and boldness and sustainability and so on, is 
we're not burdened by some of the rules that exist in some other wine regions of the world. You know, in, in Italy and in, in, in France, they have certain rules about what you can plant mm-hmm. where and how you can make the wine and so on. That's not the case in California. I mean, you can grow any variety anywhere you want. You can mix it with any other variety. You can, you can do whatever you want, and either it works and the consumer likes it or it doesn't work. That's a very matter-of-fact way of looking at it, and people can enjoy learning more about it at the Californian Wine Institute website, right? Sure. They can come to California Wine Institute's website, and uh, there's a lot of information. Another resource is called CapstoneCalifornia.com, which is a, uh, just a huge, uh, vast amount of information about California wines. Okay. Christopher, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Christopher Barrels, director, California Wine Institute, Greater China and Southeast Asia. And he was speaking to brunch with Noreen food and drinks correspondent Andrew Dembina.